I would like to uh, share with you today a message that is on my heart, and uh, my prayer is just simply that it will come out in a manner uh, that will help each and every one of us. Um, but today I want to share a message entitled, The Cure for a Stiff Neck. The Cure for a Stiff Neck. Uh, now, on, on Friday, when just fell to my heart, this was the direction I needed to go uh, for the Sunday, I had no idea that on Saturday morning, I would wake up and not be able to turn my head in one direction. I had the very stiff neck <laughs> that I, uh, I have not had anything like that in a long time, but... On Saturday morning, I'm pretty much all through the day, and even today I woke up still with some pain. And so uh, I, I wish I could tell you that this is talking about a physical cure for it, but I don't have that uh, because the kind of stiff neck that we're going to talk about today is spiritual. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, and then I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture from the book of Hebrews, but uh, you can just stay right there in Proverbs uh, so we kind of stick together on this one verse of Scripture. Reading from the New International Version, if you have something a little bit different, might read a little bit differently, but nonetheless, the meaning is the same. The Bible says this, it says, a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Let me just read that again. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Over in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. And then down in verse 15 of the same chapter, Hebrews 3, it says, as has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Today, the Bible declares to us that the individual who remains stiff-necked says, after many rebukes. Now, I want to see, we're going to look in this and we're going to find some wonderful things. We're going to find some challenging things, but we're going to find that in this one verse of Scripture, we have the mercy of God, but we also have the judgment of God. In all of this, this one little verse, we have a problem, we have the patience, and we have the price. And we're going to talk about all of those things. But I brought something to church this morning that absolutely had my kids fascinated. We live across the street from, I'll throw that one out. 
pretty much the same length. We live across the street from a nature center. And last night I broke one of the rules of the nature center. One of their rules is no wildlife removal or release. Now they have a picture of not only animals next to it, but also flowers. Uh, For this little illustration, I had to get some kind of a stick that looked essentially the same as another. Now, a little bit different color, but for the most part, they look the same. Two sticks. One of these sticks came off a living tree. Hence, my breaking the rules. Uh, Hopefully, no one from the Nature Center will hear this this podcast and, and come knocking on my door. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, if they do, yes, I'll have to confess and ask for forgiveness. It's easier to get forgiveness and permission, by the way. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, you know, that's not how we operate. Uh, But I had to remove a living branch, and then I just picked up one off the ground. Now, for the most part, they look essentially the same. One does not necessarily look more brittle than the other. But one has been disconnected from the life source for a period of time. I don't know how long. There was a a branch laying on the ground that it seemed clear that it came uh, off during the storm that we had uh, last month. This other branch I had to take off the tree, and I, I had to twist it and twist it around to try to get it to break off the tree because it was living. Please don't tell. But it was, you know, it was living, and, and a little bit of the bark came away. You can see it's a little bit green on there. And so you know that this one particular one, and in fact, let me just quickly demonstrate, this one is more bendy. There is, it seems to be, no, no apparent um, point where it's going to break. It, it will bend. That had life flowing through it. That had, it was connected to a source that gave it life, had leaves on it and everything. It, it had vitality. When my, my mother and I were driving up, uh, along with my nephew, on Sunday morning, driving from her house up to where our, the, our home church was, uh, I was going up to preach. My brother's the pastor there. And as we were driving along this, you know, no man's land of northern Maine, we I, we noticed, I noticed that there were a number of trees that had literally are bent over. Now it's the summertime. You would expect that after a great storm. And my mother said, you notice those trees that are all bent over. They all had leaves. They're all growing, but they have remained bent over. A lot of birch trees were like that. And they remain bent over. Literally, some of the leaves are touching the ground. And it happened as a result of the ice storm that they had had during the winter. All of these trees, it's remarkable to see all of these trees that have life, but they're all bent over. They didn't break, but they bent. They still have life flowing through them. This particular branch had life. I can bend it. If I bend it too much, eventually it's going to snap and it's going to break. But this, this particular branch I picked up off the ground. And this one, starting to bend it a little bit, oh, just all of a sudden, I'm hearing this little crackling underneath, and sure enough, it breaks. It breaks because it doesn't have any kind of life or had no kind of life flowing through it for a long period of time. It became brittle. It became stiff. 
it was unable to handle the pressure of just simply trying to break it. And there it's broken. Now, if somebody could put that back together exactly the way that I had it. Any takers? You can't. It's impossible to put that stick back together as though it were new. This is the idea of this one verse of Scripture. This one verse of Scripture indicates that at one point there was enough life, there was enough strength, there was enough flowing through that individual that they would have life, that there would be hope, that there would be something in them that says, this isn't the way that I ought to go. I should turn in a different direction. I should do what is right. But the Bible says here, after many rebukes, the one who remains stiff-necked will be broken and the Bible says, without remedy. I cannot put this stick back together the way that it was. A little piece of bark came off and is now laying down there. Another piece of the stick is laying over there. It's impossible for me. It was too brittle. I can't put it back together. And you know what, brothers and sisters, many times in our lives we come to places where it is that we know that we're headed in a direction we shouldn't go. We know we're beginning to do things and make decisions that we shouldn't make. And there, God is ever so faithful. He comes along and He says to us, He says, listen, you're going in a direction you shouldn't go. I need you to change the course of your life. Maybe it is that we read the Bible. Maybe we still got Bible reading as part of our lives. We read a scripture and we immediately begin to sense in our hearts that God is speaking to us. Saying, get a problem. There's a problem here in your life and I need you to deal with it. And all of a sudden we begin to push it away and push it away and push it away. You see, I want to deal with the problem for a moment this morning, and I want to take a look at that. Let's look at that verse of Scripture. The Bible says, a man who remains stiff-necked. Now, here it is. We have part of the problem is the man, mankind. For all the ladies out there, yeah, told you those men are trouble. Sorry, ladies, this applies to you too. This is the generic man, mankind. A man or a woman who remains stiff-necked. Part of the problem here, and one of the problems that has to be addressed, is the fact that mankind is naturally bent toward pride rather than humility. We have a natural bent toward that which puffs us up, blows us up, and makes us look bigger and better than we really, really are. That is the nature of human. Listen, how many of you have had to create a resume over the last couple of years? Recreate your resume, right? What are you doing with the resume? You know, the resume, you're finding the best words you possibly can to make you sound like you've got everything that you need to fill the need. And now, no, you're not lying. You're just sort of making it a little bit bigger, a little bit better, right? Because you know that you've got to walk into an interview and you've got to convince the person on the other side of the desk that you are right for the job. You are the one who's got to get it. 
There's nothing wrong with that. That's how the world seems to work. I'm not, not talking about this idea, but nonetheless, we, we sort of make ourselves out to be something maybe that we're just a little bit not. This is the idea that mankind has about himself. There's nothing inherently wrong with me. There is a modern philosophy that says man is generally good. Really. You go and find any place in this city that has a dark alley, that has a place that at night you don't want to drive down, and I, you come back to me and tell me that man is inherently good. You go across the war-torn nations and you, you see whether or not man is really inherently good. Not a chance. We try to make ourselves out to be better than what we are. Part of the problem is mankind. No one is going to tell us how to live. No one's going to tell us what to do. There isn't anybody who's going to tell me how it is I ought to live because I am the master of my own destiny. I will create my own way. Pride, the Bible says, and early in Proverbs we read about it, that Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. We puff ourselves up. We make ourselves to be big. We make ourselves to be better. And then we wonder why it is nobody can tell us anything differently. We wonder why it is we don't have the blessing in our life. The blessing of God is because there is nobody who can tell us anything. You know what another part of Proverbs says? It says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But you know what? We're living in a society where we, would, we don't want to hear anything negative even from the closest of friends that we have. Tell me only good about me. I, I don't want to hear the bad stuff. I don't want to hear the negative. And you know what? God is saying, listen, we've got to deal with the negative. Part of the problem is that mankind is naturally, it just, he just naturally has a bent toward making himself out to be bigger and better than he really is. You want know somebody once described humility as actually simply just seeing ourselves in the light of who God is. And I believe that that is absolutely true. We have to look at ourselves in the light of who God is. Part of the problem is simply mankind. It's how we think about us. The Bible also says in the New Testament, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Because as soon as you begin to do that, all of a sudden you will begin to think that it's only your way or no way. It's, it's the way that you're going to choose, and nobody is going to tell you anything differently. And what's happening here, folks, is you're getting a stiff neck. Now, I will tell you about this. Over the last couple of days of having a stiff neck, it hurts like crazy. And it's annoying as all get out. Now, you know, you can't turn your head. You, but this isn't about something that happens from the outside. No, this is something that happens on the inside. There's a pride that begins to come up, and now you're just, you don't want to hear anything bad. You don't want to hear anything negative. You don't want to, you know, a rebuke from the Word of God. How dare you? Who do you think? You know, people are like this. When it comes to pastor might, you know, pull out a Scripture verse, maybe see something in their life. Who do you think you are to tell me? We're living, you know what, folks? We're living in the kind of society that says, go ahead, question authority. And if that authority doesn't agree with you, you just, you know, you just turn around and walk away. You go do your own thing. 
You know what? When it all comes down to it, brothers and sisters, this is the authority. And we approach the Word of God saying, God, I'm going to be like the psalmist who said, search me and know me. See if there is any wicked way in me. And then he said, you know, get it out of me. I don't want it in me. We've got to be willing to take the rebuke. But unfortunately, mankind says, nope, not me. I'm too good. I'm too great. But the real problem is this. It is a stiff neck. The Bible says a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes. This stiff-necked idea is that of being stubborn. And it's marked by two basic things. It's marked by a refusal to listen and a refusal to obey. You ever have your kids, you know, you tell them to do something and say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then 20 minutes later, after they long past the time they should have done what it was that you told them to do, you look and you say, what have you been doing? This isn't done. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got to go do that. Yeah, okay, I'll go do that now. And then they sit there and they don't do anything. You ever have that happen? You see... You think they're listening. You think they're heeding what you say, but the problem is, is that even when you listen, you've got to take it a step forward and you've got to obey. There are a lot of people listening to this message today. There are a lot of people sitting here in this room and you're listening to the Word of God. You listen when you read the Bible. You listen with your spirit. God is speaking to you. You listen, but the question is, do you really obey what the Word of God says? Because isn't the Word of God ever so clear when Samuel said to Saul, he said this, Listen to what he says in 1 Samuel 15, 22, and 23. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, heed has to do with hearing but then doing. To heed is better than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin or like the sin of divination or witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul was told exactly what he was supposed to do. His command was... It's God's time for the Amalekites to be gone. Everything has to go. His judgment was upon them. His judgment came and said, the Amalekites' cup is full of iniquity. And I, I, there's nothing I can do with them anymore. So Saul, I want you to go and I want you to completely destroy the Amalekites. Everything that they have. Nothing is to remain. Saul comes back from going out against the Amalekites. He comes back and all of a sudden he's got, you know, heads of cattle and sheep like nobody's business all over the place. He's got, and and Samuel shows up and says, what's that noise? I hear something. I hear all kinds of stuff. What is that? 
Well, you know, I thought maybe we would need extra, extra sheep and lambs for the sacrifices. Extra cattle for the sacrifices. And Samuel said, Saul, didn't you hear what God said? He doesn't need any more sheep. He doesn't need any more cattle. He needs people who will obey his voice. He doesn't need any more stiff-necked people. That's what the people of Israel were when they came to Samuel and said, give us a king. We want a king. Got to have a king. All the other nations have a king. We want a king too. And Samuel says, you don't need a king. You've got God. They said, we don't care. We want a king. We want to be like other nations. Give us a king. They were stiff-necked. God gave them exactly what they wanted. Why? Because they were stiff-necked. They kept going in that direction. Saul, he went in his direction. He heard the word of the Lord, but he didn't heed the word of the Lord. He didn't obey the word of the Lord. It's quite different, brothers and sisters, for us to sit here and hear Pastor Lawrence preach or Pastor Impaglia preach from time to time. It's, it's, very, it's very different for us to sit here and listen and not do. It's another thing to go out and start living. And start obeying the voice of the Lord. You see, the problem was that of a stiff neck. And that is marked by stubbornness. And the stubbornness shows a refusal to listen and a refusal to obey. Now, there is a part of this that also shows us what a stiff neck is like. And it is this, a hardness of heart. A hardness of heart. Being stiff necked is also being hard of heart. That there's nothing that can penetrate the spirit. Nothing that seems to soften. Nothing that seems to change. David Wilkerson once said this, wrote this, preached this. Once said this, that whenever the word of God is preached, there will always be a result. And the result is one of two things. Only one of two. Nothing else. He said it either softens your heart and makes you sensitive, or it hardens your heart and makes you stiffness. And many people sit and they listen to the Word of God and they don't obey the Word of God and they walk away and they become stiff-necked and there isn't anybody or anything that's going to tell them what to do or how to live. Can I tell you, if you got a stiff neck today, you need to remember the lesson of these three little sticks now. Because these three little sticks used to be one and I can't put them back together to make one. You say, I can tape it, Pastor. I can glue them. You can do that, but it's not going to have the same consistency. And it's certainly not going to have the same consistency as a stick that came off a live tree connected to the source. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything that will keep us from becoming like this little stick, it is simply this. Stay connected to him and stay soft in the presence of the Lord. Stay tender toward the voice of the Lord and don't allow anything to come in that would cause you to remain stiff-necked. Now, I want you to see in this verse of Scripture, there is great patience in this. I want you to see the patience of God. And it is this. The Bible says, after many rebukes. After many rebukes. Now, somebody comes and says to you, you know, brother, sister, I, I've noticed you headed in a direction you shouldn't go. And I, I got to tell you, I'm concerned. 
If you do that in love and you are a friend to that person, you love that person, but you are, you are letting them know, I am concerned about the direction that you're going. One time, the individual might just sort of pass it off. Say, you know what? They're always, they always seem to be, you know, a little more in tune with God than I am anyway. Sure, it figures. They're coming, pointing the finger at me. Well, it starts that easily. You know, how, how dare they come to me? I mean, come on. And then all of a sudden, they come again. Wait a minute. You got it out for me? You don't like me? You know, we have to be very, very careful how it is that we, uh, we, we come to people, but nonetheless, when they come in love and in prayer and with the Word of God, and they come and just encourage us to say, listen, I'm concerned about you. We have to be very careful that we don't reject what we're hearing because God uses people, folks. Why has He got us in the church all together if He doesn't need us for each other? Right? We all need each other. And every now and then, God will use somebody else to come along beside us. Now, if they come along with a mean and nasty spirit, you better bring them to me. And if they come along with a mean and nasty spirit, then they're coming along in the wrong spirit. But if they come lovingly and gently, because that's how the Holy Spirit operates, if they come lovingly and gently, and they show it to you, and they open it up before you, then brothers and sisters, the patience of God is this, is that after many rebukes, listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 141 and verse 5. The psalmist said this, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let me read that again. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. The psalmist is saying when somebody who is righteous and in tune with God comes along and, and as it were, I view it as somebody striking me and yet I realize that it is a correction for the way that I'm going, then he says, here's what I've got to see. It's not being mean. It's not somebody pointing out a fault so that they can be ahead of me or feel better about myself. It is a kindness to me. You see, God puts people around us to help us along, to help us to grow, to help us to come to a place where we stay sensitive and remain sensitive to the Lord. After many rebukes, and that word rebukes being in the plural, to me equals mercy. You know, it's not God showing up after one bad thing and saying, done with you, squash you like a bug. No, 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 this is, this is God showing up and saying, let me admonish you. Let me encourage you. Let me, let me rebuke you. Let me bring you back to the place that you ought to go. It is a correction that shows mercy that He loves you, that He cares enough for you to bring you to a place where He says, it's time to repent. It's time to come back. It's time to turn things around. You say, well, I'm not sure. That's all Old Testament you're preaching, brother. No, no, no. Listen, Paul told Timothy that the Word of God was profitable for rebuke, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. There are occasions where we are trained by the Word of God. We're shown how it is that we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do. And there are other times we come to the Word of God and the Word of God just kind of smacks us upside the head. 
ah, that kind of hurt. But nonetheless, we need it. That is what correction is all about. How many of you, how many of you, I'm just curious, where'd it go? Oh, here it is. How many of you got something like this, you know, growing up from mama? Mm. Yeah, me too. Phew. You know, doesn't the Bible say that no one who gets corrected thinks, you know, likes it? No one in the Bible, no one thinks that it's, you know, for any kind of good. And mama would say stuff like, I'm doing this for your own good. Right? Sure you are. How, well, I, I think I said that at one point. How about I do that to you? And I got to tell you this. One time, my mother came in with the leather strap, the, the fabled leather strap in our home that had six little fingers that my oldest brother decided one time he was going to, you know, see, it was a leather strap, just a normal straight piece of leather strap that was used for this particular thing. My father and my mother believed that the rod of correction should be applied in the home, and they applied it. Uh, my brother came along and cut six little fingers in the end of the thing, which only made it hurt worse, big dummy. <laughs> And, uh, you know, by the, time, by the time I came along, I'm the youngest, by the time I came along, man, this leather strap was worn. I mean, my brothers, they got it. But I got it too. But I remember my mother walking in one time into my room and laying down on the bed, and she handed me the leather strap and said, go ahead, I'll take your beating for you. Do you want to know, I started to cry like nobody's business. I said, I can't hit you, Mom. I can't hit you. She doesn't remember any of this stuff now. But I, I told her about it. I said, I, you did that for me. And I said, to this day, I have used it as a description of the great mercy and the grace of God and how Christ took our punishment for us. You see, when God rebukes us over and over and over again, it is His mercy that is doing it. It is His mercy that He says, I want you to turn things around. I don't want you to be stiff-necked. I don't want you to go in the direction that you're going. I want you to heed my word and obey my word. The Bible says, after many rebukes, this is opportunity. Opportunity to get out of the nonsense, the ridiculousness that is sin in our lives, the ridiculousness of the world that says, you know, you just go our way. You got, come on, you got to party it up. You're only here a certain number of years. Do you really have to party it up? Because I got to tell you, for those who think that it's a party after you die, you got it all wrong. And for those liberal leaders today who are saying, well, we don't know what it's going to be like later on. I'm sorry, Jesus gave us a great description of what it's all going to be like. You don't need somebody to come back from the dead and tell you what it's going to be about. He already told us what it's all going to be about. Many rebukes. There's no, there, mercy is here all through the Scripture. Man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes. Now here's the price. Let's end up with this. Actually, we're going to end up with something better than the price. But the price is this. Because what we see here is a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to have it my way. And you know what? As a pastor, I've had to learn you can only go so far with the rebuke. 
And then you just have to say, Lord, it's in your hands. Done everything that I can do, everything I know to do. I can't do anything else, Lord. It's now in your hands. You see, the Bible says this, and it lets us know the price of an individual who remains stiff-necked, who remains, is destruction. No feel good about that, is there? Destruction. The Bible says it will be destroyed, and it also says without remedy. In other words, destruction comes not because God has chosen it for you, because you have chosen it for yourself. Destruction only comes in a person's life because of their own decisions. You know, there are a lot of people who like to blame God pretty much for everything. If they don't blame God for everything, then they blame the devil. Two, really, who get, you know, the shaft and all of that. Because for the most part, in the end, it usually comes down to our choices. What it is that we choose to do. You see, in this, there is a decision that can be made. The cure can only come when we make the right decision to listen and to obey the Word of God. In the face of a deadly price for being stiff-necked, the only decision, in my opinion, that makes any kind of sense is that of walking in humility and letting your heart be tender before the Lord and when, when you obey the Lord. There is the story in the book of the Old in the book of Second Chronicles. I believe it's right around chapter 32, 33, no, 34, right around 34, about King Josiah, who became king at age eight. And the Bible says this that they discovered the book of the law later on in his life. And but early on, the Bible says at about age 16, he began to seek God with all of his heart. I mean, he, at age eight, he was already making great reforms in the nation at age eight. At 16, he, the Bible says he set himself to seek the Lord. And at age 20, all of a sudden, he began to just sweep the nation and do things that, that were against idolatry and just take down the idols and all of that. But as they were cleaning out the temple, they discovered the book of the law. And they came to the king and they said, listen, look what we discovered. In the, in the temple. Go figure. Where had the word of God been all those years? But he says, I want you to see this. I want you to listen to what it says. And they read the book of the law in his hearing. And the Bible says that King Josiah wept. That he tore his clothes and he, he wept with great sorrow because he realized that as a nation, they'd been doing their own thing. They hadn't been following the law. They hadn't been following the law of Moses. They had done absolutely nothing to follow God with all of their heart, their soul, and their mind. And brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, we have the Word of God in front of us each and every day, and yet somehow we choose not to do what it says. God has to help us to walk in humility. God has to help us. So the question is, what is the cure? With this I close. What is the cure for a stiff neck? We don't readily see it in this verse. But I got to tell you, there are other places in Scripture that open it up for us. How do we not end up like 
this broken stick that can't really be put together the way that it was? How do we not end up like this stiff-necked man that's described in Proverbs? Turn over in your Bibles. I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. The first thing that has to be changed is the attitude of our heart. And the attitude of our heart has to be that of only one quality, humility. Humility is, in fact, the quality that Jesus had when he came to this earth and he took on, as Philippians tells us, the form of a servant. Humility, brothers and sisters, will keep you from becoming stiff-necked. The Bible says this, James chapter 4 and verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So, well, I'm worried about what, you know, whether or not the, you know, I can, I can do what my gifting is, and I'm in the church, and all of that. Listen, humble yourself before the Lord. Don't try to just put yourself out there. God is going to raise you up. God will help you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says this, Young men, in the same way be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves, here it is, with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. You and I have to humble ourselves. Our attitude has to be the same, Paul says, as that of Jesus Christ who humbled Himself in the form of a servant. He became like one of us. He he was the epitome of humility. You want to know how to be humble? Look at Jesus. You want to know how it is that you are supposed to walk in humility? Look at the life of Christ and what it is that He did for us. That's humility. Humility, brothers and sisters, is absolutely essential for us if we are going to not end up like these broken sticks that are so brittle, that are so hard, but we've got to be like this one that was connected to the source. And, and yes, it's a lesser, lesser branch. You know, there were bigger branches. It was connected to a bigger tree. But nonetheless, it was connected. You might feel as though, you know, I'm, I'm really little. I'm really small. I'm really not much in the body of Christ. That's okay. You were a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of Him. You are a part of the body. And if you stay connected to Him, you will have the life and vitality. You will have the, you know, nothing. You won't get brittle. You'll stay humble before the Lord. Not only that, the Bible lets us know over in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7, there is another part of the cure, and it is this. It is listening. Listening. Therefore, God, chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. This, I read some of these scriptures that sort of repeat a little bit in chapter 3 as well. This passage of scripture out of the Psalms. As it's talking about the people of Israel as they came out of the desert. 
But the Bible says there this, therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today. When a long time later he spoke through David as, he, as was said before, today, here it is, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In other words, humility, you have to have the attitude. Humility gives you the heart to receive. It gives you the heart to open up and say, Lord, whatever it is that you want to teach me, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear what you have to say. The Bible says in another place, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. We need to attune our ears to what the Word of God is saying. And sometimes it might be that the Word of God will come across in a message that is preached or maybe something that is shared with you uh, shared with you with a friend or from a friend. And you might feel as though, you know, how do they know? And, and why is it, why am I being singled out? I don't know how many people over the years have come to us and said, you know, how did you know what I was going through? Well, we didn't. You know, Pastor Paglia would preach and, you know, people come up, almost be mad at him because he preached what he preached. I had no idea. You know, the Lord knows what it is that we need. You need to listen to what the Word of God is saying. Rather than get mad at, at, the, at the messenger, you know, don't shoot the messenger. You just say, Lord, you're, you're trying to tell me something. You're trying to teach me something. Let me have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to me. So we need humility. And we need a listening ear. There's one final thing we need, and it is obedience. Because you can come off humble. You can pretend that you're listening. You can even appear to be listening. But on the inside, if you don't have the heart that says, now, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey your word. Then you are walking into a very dangerous situation. I'm going to reread the verse of Scripture I read out of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. You see, if you obeyed, you don't need the sacrifice. David talked about sacrifices in his psalm of repentance, Psalm 51. But you know what? In the end, David recognized that not even the, the blood of bulls and of lambs and of goats could ever cleanse him of his sin. It was the Spirit of God. It was God who was able to do that and cleanse him of his sin. But he said, you know, it would be better if I had not done this thing. You know, it's better if we obey the voice of the Lord rather than coming to the altar in tears. Say, God, please forgive me. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. In other words, he's saying, I'm looking for obedient people, not sacrificing people. I need people who will obey my word. And when we obey the word of the Lord, i got to tell you, your, your, your neck won't be stiff. You won't wake up with one. You won't all of a sudden wake up one day and just, it's going to be my way or the highway and that's it. 
not going to listen to what anybody else has to say. What do they know? Who do they think they are? Who does that pastor think he is? Who does that brother or sister think they are coming in here and telling me how it is I'm supposed to live? No, no, no. If you will walk in humility, you will listen to the Word of God and you will obey the Word of God, then you know what? You will be able to receive any kind of rebuke if you're headed in the wrong direction and you'll be able to use it for the better of your life. The, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. And one of the things that, that the writer points out about uh, wisdom is, is that those who are wise will take a rebuke, will listen to a rebuke. Those who are not wise reject it and push it away. Brothers and sisters, I want to be wise. It doesn't mean that it's easy to receive. <laughs> It doesn't, you know, it, uh, we, but we've got to eliminate the pride in our hearts that says, I can't hear anybody tell me anything negative about myself. And we've got to say, Lord, help me to begin to walk and talk like you. Help me to live like you so that I don't have a stiff neck. And that stiff neck comes to the point of being so brittle. It can't bend. It can only break. God has to help us today. Let's just stand to our feet right now and just ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to minister to us.